Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the Metabolism and Menopause podcast. My name is Stephanie, and I am your host and CEO of Vitality OET. We are a women's health, nutrition, and fitness company that focuses predominantly on women's hormones, particularly as they start going through perimenopause and onwards. We know that so many women struggle in this time of their life. They start experiencing brain fog, hot flashes, night sweats, irritability, and belly fat that seems to have come out of absolutely nowhere despite you not changing anything. So you go back to your tried and true methods of weight loss, whether that's cutting calories, you're doing a ton of cardio, you're reducing your carb intake, but nothing seems to be working. But we know now that your body is inherently different than what it used to be like prior to experiencing these changes. So our mission here is to teach women about how their bodies change during this time in their life so that you can finally reach those health and fitness goals that you can feel in control and at home in your body again, live a life full of vitality, and really understand how to take care of this new body of yours because it is different. So on today's episode, I want to talk about metabolism, all the things. I'm going to define what metabolism is, why does it seem to slow down as we age and we go through perimenopause and menopause, and then how the heck can we help it come back up because that is the key to successful weight loss. So first of all, what is metabolism? It's thrown around all the time, metabolism boosting and all these kinds of things. But really, what is it? Simply put, I'm going to like really dilute this down and make it as simple as possible so it's not complicated. But metabolism is simply just the number of calories your body burns. Um, So your basal metabolic rate or BMR is a very common term used. And that's the amount of calories that your body would burn if you were just laying down all day. So these are the calories that you would use for brain function, keeping your heart pumping, keeping your body breathing, your nervous system, all your organs functioning the way it's supposed to, just what you need to survive. So if your metabolism is fast or it's high, that means your body is really good at burning calories. It's very inefficient, we'll call it. It's more like you're a diesel truck. Whereas if your metabolism is slow or it's low, it means that your body actually really sucks at burning calories. So it's almost like your body becomes more like a Toyota Corolla hybrid cross. It's not good at burning fuel. It's very good at conserving energy. And when it comes to fat loss, we don't want that. If we're very good at being efficient with our calories, that means we don't burn very many calories and it's much harder to lose fat. So we want to be more like a diesel truck than a hybrid car. So your BMR, why is it so important? Why does everybody talk about it? Your BMR or your metabolism, your basal metabolic rate makes up for 40 to 60% of your calories out in a day. We always talk about calories in, calories out in order to burn fat and lose weight. You need to have more calories being burned on the calories outside versus calories being brought into your body, the calories inside. So what all accounts for calories out? So your BMR is one of them, 40 to 60%. This is the greatest amount. So if our body sucks at burning fuel, that 40 to 60% of calories out, that's a lot of calories that we could be burning, but we're not because our body's not efficient at it. Then we have something called NEAT, which is our non-exercise activity. So this is things like walking, or if you have a very like high labor intensive job, or you're a mail carrier, things like that. Then we have the thermic effect of food. Um, That is how many calories are burned during the digestive process. So this is more like 
protein to carbs. So for example, protein, if you're consuming protein, 15 to 30% of the calories that you consumed are burned when you are eating them because it's harder to process. It takes more energy to break them down. Um, So if you're having 100 calories of protein, you're burning 15 to 30 calories of that in the digestive process. However, when we look at fat and carbs, that only accounts for like 5 to 15%. So if you're having 100 calories of fat or 100 calories of carbs, you're only burning 5 to 15 calories during the digestive process. So that's the thermic effect of food and higher fiber has a higher, um, like takes more energy to break down as well. So there's different things there. And then we have exercise and exercise accounts for a very small amount, like five to 15%. So everyone tries to push exercise to try and burn calories, which is not the right approach you should be doing. You want to exercise to help boost your metabolism because that's 40 to 60% of your calories out versus exercise is only five to 15%. So if you're trying to exercise a ton to burn more calories, that's really inefficient because that's actually like the smallest amount when it comes to how many calories are burned in a day. So you can see that if BMR really slows down, that's the largest contributor to our calories out. So the higher your BMR is, the easier it's going to be for you to burn calories, to burn fat. It's easier to see weight loss. Whereas if your metabolism is slow, not so much. So why does cortisol, um, or sorry, why does it slow down and hint cortisol? Obviously we always talk about cortisol here, but there's quite a few things here that change as we age. And we start going through perimenopause and menopause that causes that 40 to 60% that we're burning that number decreases. So the first one is cortisol, AKA stress. If you want to learn more about it, head to episode one. I do a really good explanation of perimenopause and menopause, how cortisol affects your hormones and all that kind of stuff. We also did one specifically on cortisol and adrenal fatigue or um, adrenal insufficiency. So you can also check out that podcast episode as well if you really want to get into the nitty gritty of it. But basically what happens is cortisol is our stress hormone. I'm going to try and like keep this short. Otherwise, this podcast is going to be forever long. And I think it's good to mix in some short ones for you. So stress increases. That's what cortisol is, our stress hormone. And it's supposed to go up and then come down. Stressful situation, come back down. However, in everyday life, we're just chronically in a state of fight or flight. We're constantly under eating. We're over exercising. We've done a ton of yo-yo dieting. Um, I have a video on yo-yo dieting in our community Facebook that really shows a graph on how it affects your metabolism, your muscle mass, your fat mass, all that kind of stuff. So make sure that you head there if you want to see a visual because it'll help you understand things so much better, I promise. Um, But anyway, stress goes up from under eating, over exercising, yo-yo dieting or chasing fat loss for a very long time, um, lack of sleep, being go, go, go all the time, then everyday stress from like finances and taking care of sick parents and your kids driving you crazy. Maybe your spouse is driving you insane and you're just constantly go, go, go. We live in a life of constant stress and we think we handle it well, but it's almost like we're this frog that's boiling in water. We're not aware the temperature is getting higher. We're just slowly getting used to it and really we're getting boiled alive. And we think we're doing well, but I promise you that you're not. So when we go through perimenopause and menopause and our cortisol can increase much easier than it used to, because one of estrogen's roles is to keep cortisol in check. So when estrogen starts to go down, now you can't handle as much stress before you could handle a nine out of 10 before cortisol went up. Now it's only five out of 10 and your cortisol jumps up and that's not great. And this is because of those hormonal changes. So 
Again, if you want to learn more about that, head to the previous podcast. Podcast episode one does a really good job. And then the one specifically on adrenals is also very good. Um, but important to know. And there's also, I have a visual also that shows how much cortisol affects everything and your metabolism um, in the uh, Facebook group as well. But I'm going to try and explain it briefly here. So you have your brain, which sends a signal to your adrenals to release cortisol. If you're watching on YouTube, I'm talking a lot with my hands because Latin descent, this is how we do things. Um, So we have cortisol, which is like the headmaster, the puppeteer master of everything else. So if you have cortisol goes up, what happens is it affects your sex hormones and your sex hormones will start to decrease because when we're a state of fight or flight, the last thing our body wants is for us to end up pregnant. Our body may not know that we're already going through perimenopause and menopause. It's like, let's just shut this down because it's not necessary anymore. We're just surviving, trying to fight this bear or run away from this bear. When that happens, we also see an increase in insulin resistance, which already happens during perimenopause and menopause. So there's probably many of you that have been to the doctor and they're like, oh, your blood sugars are high. Oh, you're insulin resistant. Oh, you're pre-diabetic. You're like, what? I didn't change anything. And it's because of estrogen going down, we become more insulin resistant. But also for cortisol is high, it also makes us more insulin resistant. Because what happens is we're in this low calorie, low carb state, we're go, go, go all the time. And when we're in a state of fight or flight, our body will actually, like cortisol will send the signal to our body to dump sugar into our bloodstream, despite us not actually eating anything, which causes insulin to go up. And cortisol will always win in the battle with between insulin and cortisol. So then what happens is insulin resistance goes up, which also favors fat storage. Hormone imbalances also favor fat storage. This is also going to influence your gut health, causing more inflammation, more leaky gut, sudden food sensitivities that you never used to have before, more indigestion and heartburn. This is all because cortisol influences the inflammation and the way we digest. It slows down digestion, which leads to all these issues. So now we also see that our gut health goes to crap which also makes it really hard to lose weight. And we also become more nutrient deficient and things like that. Then we're also gonna see our liver function starts to slow down, our thyroid function starts to slow down, and our thyroid is the um, is the thermostat that controls our metabolism. So if it turns down, we turn more turns turn toward a hybrid car. When we turn it up, it turns us more into a diesel truck. So when cortisol is high, it actually turns that thermostat down so our body burns even less calories at rest. So this is why cortisol is so, so important to um, pay attention to. And this is one of the huge reasons that women's metabolism starts to slow down is because our cortisol levels are so, so high. We go into survival mode and that makes our body hold on to calories. We don't burn calories very well. And thus that's slowing in metabolism. Um, again, there's a really good video on the Facebook group. Highly recommend you go check that out if you haven't already. Um, that will really help explain things a little bit better for you. The next one is our lean muscle mass decreases as we go through perimenopause and menopause. And there's a number of reasons why this happens. It's not just because we're aging. There's a lot of reasons that muscle starts to break down and we want to maintain muscle because muscle burns a lot of calories at rest. So less muscle that we have, the less calories our body burns. And it also makes us um, less insulin sensitive. The less muscle we have, the less place we have for blood sugars to go, making us more predisposed to becoming pre-diabetic. And we know that when estrogen goes down, estrogen also helps shuttle our blood sugars around and keep blood sugar in check. So now we're having that issue there as well. So 
During perimenopause and menopause, when estrogen goes down, we also have a harder time building and maintaining muscle mass. And the reason for this is because estrogen is what we call an anabolic hormone. It's a building hormone. It helps build muscle mass. So when that comes down, it's already sending the signal to our body that it's hard to build muscle. It's hard to maintain muscle. Um, if cortisol is really high, it also breaks down muscle mass for energy. If we're doing a ton of cardio, that also sends a signal to our body to um, break down muscle for energy. Eating low carb also sends that signal. Eating low calorie also sends that signal. Being high stress also sends that signal. If we're not eating enough protein, our body can't rebuild muscle. If we're not sleeping enough, we don't have growth hormone being produced because that's only produced during deep sleep. Um, so then what you're seeing is all of these things that you're experiencing during perimenopause and then you trying to lose weight by cutting calories, cutting carbs, doing a ton of cardio, being go, 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 doing the hit classes, not recovering, um, working out fasted, all of these things send the signal to break down muscle, which is not good because the less muscle we have, the slower our metabolism is going to be and the harder it is to lose fat. We turn more towards that hybrid car instead of that diesel truck. The next one is that we're also experiencing low thyroid function. So the thyroid, again, like I said, is that thermostat that determines how many calories our body burns. And when our thyroid function is low, our body is not very good at burning calories. We become more like that hybrid car. Also, of course, lucky us, during perimenopause and menopause, we are going to be at a higher risk of developing hypothyroidism. Like hyperthyroidism is 80% more common in females than males, particularly as we start to age. Um, especially if you're eating low calorie, eating low carb, are having a high stress lifestyle, are not sleeping well, are over exercising, go, 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 go all of the time because that increases cortisol. And when cortisol is high, it actually prevents our body from being able to send the signal to the thyroid to produce, um, thyroid hormone. That's a huge problem. We did a whole podcast on thyroid function, um, in menopause. I believe it's like one of the first four episodes. So go check that one out. It's like 45 minutes long. We go very in detail as to how all that works, but really simplify it for you. But again, that's that thermostat. So then we have that issue there of not being able to have um, good capabilities to burn calories of a fuel efficiency problem. And then lastly, number four, the reason metabolism slows down is hormonal imbalances. We know that if your hormones are out of alignment, your body becomes really bad at burning calories, like really, really bad. Um, we've got like cortisol, leptin, androgens, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, and thyroid. These are all going to have an impact on how well your body functions. And those all influence your metabolism. I talked about that cortisol affecting everything else. This is part of that. And when your hormones are imbalanced, I like to think of, a, think of it as a Jenga tower. So if we start pulling blocks out, we're pulling the hormones out of alignment you apply a little bit of pressure to that tower and it's going to tumble over. Whereas if you have it all stacked up nice and sturdy, you can push against it. It takes a lot more pressure for it to fall over. When we're applying pressure, that's like trying to lose weight. We're cutting our calories. We're doing more activity. So if our hormones aren't in a good place, our body can't tolerate that stress and then the whole system crumbles. So it's really, really important to understand where your hormonal imbalances are. How can we improve them? How can we support them? so that you can see successful fat loss and get your metabolism functioning properly. So now that I've given you all the bad news of 
why metabolism slows down during perimenopause and menopause. How can we boost it up? How can we turn you into that diesel gas guzzling vehicle that's really good at burning calories? So the first one is going to be eating enough food. Being in a low calorie diet for more than 12 weeks is going to result in a slower metabolism because your body adapts to what you're giving it. You're telling it you're not getting enough food. So then you are actually going to adapt your metabolism to match the needs that are coming in. This is why you can't stay low calorie forever because of that then becomes your maintenance. This is why you got to go through the seasons of fat loss and do it cyclically uh, over time to see and maintain results without seeing negative side effects to your metabolism, to your hormones, um, all of those things. It's really, really important. I did a podcast already on the simple seasons of menopause fat loss. Highly recommend you check it out. It will make things make so much more sense for you. But realistically, we shouldn't be dieting year round. Your body is going to decrease your calories out. And you're like, well, can I exercise more? No, because you have all these internal processes that determine your calories out. This is your basal metabolic rate, your BMR, how many calories your body burns at rest. Your body just keeps slowing that down and down and down. It's all these internal processes. It's not just eat less, move more, because if it was, you would have already been okay. You wouldn't be struggling right now. So we have to address things the way like to actually uh, improve your metabolism because otherwise you're no longer in a calorie deficit. You're just at your maintenance. And I don't know about you guys, but eating 1200 calories, like I have literally never done that since I was probably four years old. I'm five, five. I'm 145 pounds. In order for me to maintain my weight, I only work out like two to three days a week. I maintain eating 2,200 to 2,400 calories. And I have a whole bunch of hormonal issues. The last Dutch test I had, no progesterone, no estrogen, high cortisol, androgens weren't looking so good. I have PCOS. They recommended I got tested for thyroid function. Like I am in not that great of a position. So I am eating enough to make sure I am addressing my stressors because I've had a very stressful upbringing. Childhood was pretty rough. Um, There was lots of abuse, lots of bullying. There's so much stuff. I lost my mom. I have some grief. Like there's a lot of things that you need to realize that impact this um, and really addressing things to set you up for success. The next one is, so again, eating enough food. If you don't know if you're eating enough food, just message me. I'll calculate your calories for free. We do it through consultation calls, book one, super easy. Um, There's no like, there's no, um, what's the word I'm looking for? There's no like strings attached. Like we literally just want to help you. That is our goal. So number one, eating enough food. Two, addressing cortisol. So this is going to help balance out your hormones. Cortisol controls everything in your body. I've already told you guys this. High cortisol equals low sex hormones, decreases your thyroid function, which slows down your metabolism, leads to really crappy energy and more belly fat. We don't want this. We have four times the receptors for cortisol in our belly fat than anywhere else in our body. So as long as cortisol is high and we're not addressing it, you're never going to lose that belly fat. That's not what you wanted to hear, but I'm here to tell you the truth. Number three, improving your sleep. And I'm not just telling you guys to go to bed earlier, although that will be helpful. Um, Poor sleep results in more cortisol and more belly fat. And when your cortisol is high, you also don't sleep. So it's this like negative feedback loop of like high cortisol, crappy sleep, crappy sleep leads to more cortisol, which leads to you grabbing like for like your cravings, the donuts in the office. I always say donuts because donuts are my favorite treat. Um, But you name it, anything, anything like that. 
One of the best things that you can do for improving your sleep at nighttime is actually having a bedtime snack like an hour before bed. Doesn't have to be very big, maybe like 200 calories-ish, 250. You're pairing a slow digesting carb with a protein or a fat. So this is like a slice of sourdough toast with an egg on top. This can be some oatmeal with protein powder. This can be some yogurt with a little bit of granola and protein powder. It can be a turkey pepperoni stick and some popcorn. Like there are so many options. And honestly, it changes so much for women. It's crazy. Um, The next one we have is eating your carbs, which I know might sound absolutely crazy, but eating more carbs will really help lower your cortisol. More carbs equals less cortisol, which is then going to result in preserving muscle mass. It's going to help you improve your energy. It's going to help with your digestion. It's going to speed up that metabolism, which is going to result in less belly belly fat. I did an episode already on carbs and um, how it's preventing you, not having carbs is preventing you from losing weight in menopause. So go back and watch that episode um, or listen to that episode. Tons of helpful tips in there because I know a lot of people are carb phobic. They're very terrible. I promise you that's one of the first things we see a lot of women change is they start increasing their carbohydrate intake and their calories and they're sleeping better. Their hair is better. Their digestion is better. They feel amazing. And that's a clear sign that things are starting to improve. Number five, protein. Protein helps you preserve your muscle mass, which we know is really important and hard to maintain when estrogen goes down. So we want to help our body with our muscle mass as much as we can. So aiming for 0.8 grams per pound of body weight or a max of 140 to 150 grams of protein, we just tend to find that women's digestion tends to go south if you go higher than that. Um, Increase slowly. Because if you increase too quickly, you will end up constipated and no one's in a good mood if you're not pooping. Um, Plus, we're going to burn more calories consuming more protein, which is awesome. So another good rule of thumb is getting at least 20 grams of protein per meal uh, and then having it at every snack makes it so much easier. Number six, veggies. Veggies help provide nutrients. They keep us full longer. They help balance our blood sugars. They improve our gut health and inflammation. If we have more inflammation, we have more belly fat. Um, More inflammation also leads to more cortisol, and it also leads to more insulin resistance, which, which will also lead to more fat storage. So making sure you're having fruit and veggies at every meal, either or, makes a huge, huge difference as well. Number seven is water. Water helps with digestion, which helps keep cortisol and inflammation down. When digestion is poor, we're going to have higher levels of inflammation, which again leads to more cortisol, more insulin resistance, more fat accumulation, and a slower metabolism. Number eight, resistance training. Focus on getting stronger. This is a big one. Remember how I talked about muscles very important for improving our metabolism and our blood sugar control, um, as well as looking fit and toned, which everybody wants. We know that, again, building muscle mass is really hard when our estrogen levels go down. So we need to make sure that we are training appropriately to send the signal to our body that, hey, we need to build muscle. Hey, we need to maintain what we have because for some reason, stuff keeps trying to lift things heavier. So we better not get rid of muscle because this is important. Remember, our body adapts to the stimulus that we send it when we're lifting weights and trying to get stronger. Our body's like, oh, yeah, we need more muscle. We need to maintain this muscle. So let's do what we can to do that. So making sure, so some tips for resistance training. I've talked about it on a past podcast already, but here are some great tips. Focus on your 
um, getting stronger. So aiming for six to 12 repetitions somewhere in there, pick like a three rep range. Um, so let's say maybe you're aiming for like nine to 12 repetitions. If you can lift that weight more than 15 times, that's your sign to go heavier. You are going to then take a two to three minute rest and then do that same weight again. Again, if you feel like you can lift heavier, that's a sign to go heavier. Um, make the movements a little bit slower. If you're worried to increase the weights, do a slower movement, do a full range of motion. Arm goes all the way up, all the way down. That's more time under tension. It's going to make it more challenging. And then you won't be able to lift the weight more than 12 times. And then making sure you're taking that two to three minute rest in between is so, so important. And it helps us preserve our energy stores or restore them because when we go through perimenopause and menopause and estrogen just decides to leave us, which is so disappointing, it's a lot harder for us to access energy stores. So we do need more recovery time in between our sets. Um, it also helps with our cortisol levels and you'll just get more bang out of your buck for your time in the gym. It sucks to be working hard and being in there all the time and then not getting the results. That's awful. That sucks. I don't know about you guys, but I hate putting an effort and then not seeing any change in the gym. That sucks. Um, the next one is to stop fasting. Number nine, this is one that's like a little controversial because some people swear by it, but if it's not working anymore, it's not going to work all of a sudden, like that's not going to happen. So a lot of people like to use fasting. This will be a whole thing for another episode, but it's just another way for you to restrict calories. However, most women, like I've only had two women ever out of the thousands that we've helped and like the thousands that I've talked to that have been eating enough. So you're probably already under eating. You're probably already eating low carb. And if you're fasting, it's really hard to get your protein in. Can you imagine trying to get 130 grams of protein in two meals and a snack? That's like 10 ounces of chicken breast. That's awful. That is so much chicken. I'm not going to do that. Like three eggs is only 18 grams of protein. How are you going to get 130 grams of protein between two meals and a snack? That's really hard. If you start in the morning and have your breakfast... It's really good for your cortisol levels, which we know is good. Cortisol is very high in the morning. We want to bring that down because that's beneficial for us, right? We don't want to keep it going up, 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 which if you're not eating breakfast and you're having caffeine on an empty stomach, you are going to see cortisol progressively climb up and climb up and climb up and climb up, which again is having all of these negative effects on our hormones and our metabolism, making it a lot harder to lose weight. You're already struggling to put on muscle mass. So you're not going to get all your protein in, which is really hard. So fasting is actually not a great option for most women. This is the one thing that a lot of women change when they start working with us. And they're so impressed that now they're not having energy crashes in the afternoon. They are sleeping better. Their digestion is better. They start seeing changes in the way clothes are fitting. This is really important. So I highly recommend not fasting if you can, um, and even if you wake up early in the morning and you're like, well, I have to work out, just have half a banana, just get something in. Yeah. It makes a really big difference. Um, I don't like telling people not to eat, so I'm not in the business of doing that. And I don't, we don't recommend fasting. It's our very, very last resort for like some sort of calorie restriction, but we need to make sure it's not going to negatively affect your cortisol levels, your hormones, that your body can actually handle that stress. And for most women, it's not, we're chronically under eating and overstressed all of the time especially when you start taking care of other people and kids start leaving out of the house and you're taking care of sick parents. Like there's a lot of big changes that happen. So fasting typically is not a very good option for most women. And then lastly, number 10, um, is pre and post-workout meals. 
So pre-workout snacks really help fuel your workouts. You can maximize that gym performance and keep cortisol down. So just like I talked about those rest periods, pre and post-workout snack is just as important. Um, And then post-workout snack helps bring cortisol down after exercise because during exercise, we are going to see an increase in cortisol, but we need to make sure we bring it down. Typically after we're working out, appetite is low. This is how I used to be when I was in university. I was like, oh, I'm going to work out so I'm not hungry after and I won't eat as much. Terrible. Another reason my hormones got so messed up. So what happens is cortisol increases during exercise. And if we don't eat, because remember carbohydrates and food help bring cortisol levels down, if we're not doing that, it's just going to keep climbing and climbing and climbing. And we don't want that. That's going to wreak havoc on our health and our metabolism and really cause a lot of problems. So I just want to do a summary here for you guys on everything we just talked about, because I know that was a lot of information. So what is metabolism? How many calories we burn at rest? We want to be really good at burning calories. We want to be a diesel truck. Number two, why does metabolism slow down? Stress from undereating, overexercising, not sleeping, go, 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 yo-yo dieting, chronic dieting, all the things that we always talk about. Two, you're losing muscle mass because you're doing too much cardio, not eating enough, not recovering enough, all the good things that we already talked about. Three, your thyroid function starts to decrease from not eating enough, too much stress, and also just the perks of being a woman. Um, And four, hormonal imbalances. They do a lot. And if we can address cortisol, typically that's going to help your hormonal issues as well to boost metabolism because the way that there's changes in cortisol and leptin and androgens and estrogen and progesterone, testosterone, all those things are going to influence how well your body is at burning calories and how to boost metabolism, eat enough food, address your cortisol levels, improve your sleep, eat your carbs, eat your protein, get those veggies in, drink water, focus on resistance training, stop the fasting and have a pre and post workout snack. So we actually have a guide that goes through all this with you. It has links to everything we talked about in terms of the podcast that would be helpful, the videos that would be helpful. So make sure you go and download that below. It will help you so, so much. Um, and there again, having those videos there is helpful. And of course, if you need anything at all, if you need help figuring out what your calorie intake should be like. If you need help figuring out where you're going wrong, just message me on Facebook. I will answer every single time. Um, I love you guys so, so much. Join the Facebook community. We do webinars in there all the time. And if you found this helpful, we never run ads. We want to just provide you with the most information and education as possible. So please think about sharing this on your socials, send it to a friend, anyone who feels like their metabolism is slow. There's got to be at least one tip in here that they can try to help improve things. Um, Have a great rest of your day, you guys, and I will talk to you soon.